talent that we have um, at our church, not just musically, but just all the way around. You know, on a Sunday when Miriam and Cheryl and Terry can't be here, that we can put forth this. Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, so, uh, you guys, thank you. If you would, stand for the reading of God's Word that comes to us from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. Paul writes, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I want to again put out a word of encouragement for you to be here um, pretty much all day next Sunday. Um, again, I think it's the All Saints service will, will be a meaningful service for all of us. Um, I think it will be a, a step for many of us in the process of grieving, but also just remembering those who have, who have gone before us. Uh, we're going to have lunch afterwards that's going to be provided for you, and then the, the concert, and again, some more food um, that evening. And so uh, I just want to encourage you to be here next Sunday. So this Sunday, this morning, we're, we are ending, we're concluding our series on what's in your wallet, a, a series on, on money and, and finances and so forth. And if you're just coming in on this, um, I promise I'm not preaching on money every Sunday. Um, but Jesus did speak about money more than anything else in the Gospels, and so uh, it would do us uh, a good thing to, to look at it. Um, and before we really get into to this, this topic, I, I want to first talk about, tell you about a flint, a sponge, and a honeycomb. A flint, a sponge, and a honeycomb. Each of these represents a, a level or type of giver. First, there's a flint. To get everything out of a flint, you got to hammer it. You got to hit it hard. And when you do, sparks come. 
I would describe this as a reluctant giver. To get this person to give to God, you've got to hammer them over the head, and there's likely to be some sparks flying afterwards. Next is the sponge. The more you squeeze, the more you get, but you still got to squeeze it. And finally, there's the honeycomb. That's the one that overflows with its own sweetness. Honey's just flowing out, and with this type of giver, giving just comes naturally. It overflows out of their relationship with the Lord. You haven't guessed it already, that's the type of giver we're going for, all right? Our scripture tells us, remember this, whoever sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God wants to, us to give cheerfully, not reluctantly, not out of a sense of obligation or duty. He wants us to give cheerfully out of the overflow of what God has already done for us. So as we see and we learn what happens when we give, let's consider giving as um, a cheerful and joyful thing that we get to do. So this morning I do want to talk about what happens when you give. What happens when you give? Well, the first thing is when you give, you fulfill your purpose. When you give, you fulfill your purpose. How many of us were good in math in, in school? All right. All right. Hardly anybody's going on the finance committee. That's good. All right. Um, I, was, I was good at math in high school. We're not going to talk about college. Um, but in high school, I was good. And I, I tell you what, I'll never understand why around seventh grade, uh, math went from uh, only numbers to start using letters. I mean, yeah, Matthew, he's like, what's up? I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, why does math all of a sudden start using letters? Um, I mean, there's no crying in baseball, and there's no letters in math. I mean, what's up with this? But I do remember one formula from math, and it went like this. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. You remember something like that? Ever, I mean, what I'm going to show you next is a little bit uh, like this formula. A equals you were created in the image of God. You were created in the image of God. Let's look at Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The image of God is a, a theological concept that means you and I and everybody on earth was imprinted with God's image when we were created. There is something deep inside of us that is like God. Like a son who has his father's eyes you have a resemblance to god so that's a b b equals god is generous when you read the bible and you start piecing together information about god one of those pieces is god's generosity 
You read things like God is love, 1 John 4, 8. Just how generous is God? Well, check out this verse. This is the most famous verse in the entire Bible. And I know it's the most famous verse in the entire Bible because it's the only verse that I've seen on a sign in an end zone in a football game. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. How generous is God? He gave his one and only son for you and me. So let's put the ABC formula together. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. If you are made in the image of God and God is generous, then there's something deep inside of you and me that's wired for generosity. I believe that. I believe that there is something in all of us that is wired for generosity. You may not always feel generous, but you were created that way. You've got generosity hardwired into your soul. So when you give, you're fulfilling your purpose. You're doing what you were created to do in the first place. You don't give out of guilt. You give out of purpose. So that's the math lesson for today, all right? We're good? All right, that's the math lesson. Let's move on to number two. When you give, you position yourself for blessing. You position yourself for blessing. Now, I'm not about to go Joel Olstein on you, but um, hear me out. The scripture we're looking at this morning comes from a letter that Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He was writing them to ask for money. To ask them to continue. He was thanking them for what they've already given, but then he was asking them to continue to give. And in this letter, Paul gives us insight into the relationship between giving to God and receiving a blessing. I believe there's a clear connection between our generosity and God's provision. Verse 10 and 11. Now he who supplies, talking about God, God who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way. You might not understand it. I might not be able to fully explain it. But there is something supernatural that happens when our finances come into an alignment with God's heart. Let me say that again. There is something supernatural that happens when our finances come into alignment with God's heart. One plus one plus God does not always equal two. And there I went doing some math lesson. I'm sorry. But our God is a generous God, giving us many blessings in life. And some of us are convinced that if you start giving to God, you are somehow going to lack something. You are convinced that you aren't going to be able to provide for your family or, or save enough money or, or whatever. Listen, the scripture tells us that God will provide. He will bless you in your giving. Now, these blessings from God are not limited to the financial realm. So a $100 contribution does not exactly mean a $100 blessing. But I do know this, you will be blessed in some way. And just because those blessings may not be financial doesn't mean they are not important. If the best things in life cannot be bought 
perhaps the most important blessings from God are not financial. So that's, uh, that's number two. Number three, when you give, you gain perspective. You ever met somebody who went on a mission trip? Ever met anybody? You, you aren't aware, those trips, uh, depending on where you're going, can be quite expensive. Between food, airfare, supplies, you could easily spend thousands of dollars traveling to another country or within the States to work with children or to work on a house or to work with another church. But when you talk to somebody who's been on a, a field mission trip, and after they've returned, they use words like incredible and life-changing. They, they talk about that expensive experience like it was one of the most important things they've ever done. I've never met anyone who said, man, I wish I hadn't raised all that money to go over there and to help people. I'd rather use that money to download some movies or to buy some furniture. You never hear that story because spending money on others feels right. People often regret something they buy. They rarely regret something they give. Spending money can be fun. New clothes, new restaurants, new car. Nothing wrong with those things. But deep down, buying those things just for the heck of it, it doesn't ever really satisfy. But when we give and when we serve with our money, our time, our talents, we, we somehow know we're doing something important. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Bible teaches us that money is not solely a financial issue. It is primarily a spiritual issue. Our money and our heart are connected. Where we send and spend our money says something about what we truly value. And, and when we give, it's, it's a statement on what's truly important. This isn't groundbreaking truth to you. You already know it. Because you spend money. I spend money. If you were to log into my bank account right now, and see where I spend money, you deduce that tithing is important to me, saving is important to me, eating McDonald's breakfast is important to me, and making sure my family is taken care of if I'm ever gone is important to me. You can tell what's important to me not by hearing me talk about what's important, but by observing how I spend money. Because money is a heart issue more than a checking account issue. So when you give, you're making an intentional statement that something matters. This thing over here, that person over here, God's mission through this church, it matters. It deserves my attention, my focus, and my support. Eternity matters, and when you give, you are shifting your perspective. The last thing that happens when you give is that you partner with God. Have you ever thought about the fact that God does not need your money? Seriously, he does not. I don't mean to sound rude, but if God wanted your money, he'd just take it. I mean, God, he can do that. Did you know that? He can do it. God doesn't need your permission to access your resources. If he knows how many hairs are on your head, I guarantee you he knows your online banking password. 
Not only does God not need your money in particular, he doesn't need you in general. I'm not intentionally trying to insult you or me, but the fact is that God doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need the Pope to accomplish his mission on this earth. God's not sitting here in heaven saying, if only I had a representative on earth, then I could get something done. His activity is not dependent on our involvement. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. God does not need us, yet God invites us to join him. Because he's God, he doesn't need us, but he wants us. We don't invite God into our lives. He invites us into his. That's pretty cool when you think about it. While God doesn't need us, he invites us to participate. And when you give, that's what you're doing. You join with God in his mission in the world. Remember I told you that when you give, you're positioning yourself for, for a blessing? Well, the blessing really isn't intended for your sake. When God blesses you, especially financially, that blessing is meant to be used for the mission of God. I want you to listen to what Paul says to the church in Corinth. He says, verses 11, 13, he says, you will be made rich in every way. Now, if we started there, we'd be like, all right, I'm game on for this. I give, I get rich, awesome. So that. Pay attention to so that. So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. The Corinthian church, their generosity resulted in others thanking God. Their giving helped others to see God and to praise Him. Their generosity helped to change lives and to turn people to God. That's what our generosity is supposed to accomplish. You don't give to the church to keep the lights on, though I am thankful we're not sitting here in the dark. You give because the gospel needs to be heard. You don't give to this church, though I, I love this church. You give as a part of a worldwide movement, joining with churches in North America, South America, China, Ukraine, England, Africa, all over the world. There is something bigger going on around us more than the here and now. And when you give, you are a part of what God is doing everywhere. If that does not excite you, I don't know what will. That's awesome. But here in little old matter, your gift can transform lives around the world. In two more days, it's going to be November. That's crazy. Can I get an amen? That's crazy. And, and in two months, it's going to be 2017. And while I know that we have all the holidays ahead of us, and there's a ton to think about, 
I want you to think about something right now. I want you to think about your financial commitment to this church in 2017. And as you do that, let me just tell you what's going on. On Wednesday nights, we're about to bust out the fellowship hall. Cindy gets a little upset with me every now and then, but that's okay. We have almost as many people on Wednesday nights than we do on Sunday mornings. That is unheard of in any church. Our administrative council, with the hard work of Staff's Parish Committee and the Finance Committee, approved the creation of a new youth director position. We want to make sure that our youth are loved and cared for and ministered to, not only the ones that we have, but the ones that we don't even know yet. At the same time, we're looking for a youth director. We're also looking for a new children's coordinator. Bronnie Gaines, who has served in that position for several years, is stepping down at the end of the year, not leaving the church. She's just leaving that position, and we're seeking a new person in that position. Our trustees are working hard to make sure our facilities meet what we need, as well as creating an inviting environment to everyone who comes to our church. There is a lot happening at Metter United Methodist Church. And a lot more is going to take place. We have plenty of ministry opportunities ahead of us, and I am excited about where God is going to lead us. I am excited, I am excited about where my financial giving is going and what it will do. I hope you are and will be as well. I want to close this morning with a word of thanks. I just want to say thank you. We probably don't do that often enough. For those of you who have ever given to this church anything, thank you. For those of you who have given clothes or food to the needy, whether through this church or not, thank you. For those of you who support a child in this state, this country, or around the world, thank you. For those of you who give your time to serve others in need, thank you. Thank you for fulfilling your purpose. Thank you for positioning yourself for God's blessing. Thank you for changing your perspective. Thank you for partnering with God. For that's what happens when we give. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for being generous with us. I am personally blown away how much you have given to me. How much you have loved me and everyone by giving of your son. The earthly father could never imagine doing something like that. But you are love, and you are generous, and you have been generous with us. 
Help us to return that generosity with our own. Help us to give. Help us to join you in your generosity to us. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.